Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat at the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Twenty-five years ago, although when I say that, I can scarcely believe it's been that long, twenty-five years ago when I was preparing to come out to the Bay Area for seminary and turn over a new leaf, a new vocation, one of the parishioners in St. Philip's Trenton, Missouri, where I was raised up for ordination, pulled me aside. Harold said, Richard, why are you going out to the land of flakes and nuts? Don't you know the whole thing is going to slide off into the ocean at some point? I can't remember what I said to him, but I wish I had had the chutzpah to say to him, well, Harold, I may be just one of those fruits and nuts you never know. And when it comes to things sliding off into the ocean, well, we prepare for that out here, just like in the Midwest, they build basements and prepare for the coming tornado, right? That's part of life. The land of fruits and nuts. In some ways, it's an apt title, right? People come out to California to get away from an old form of life and try out a new one often, come out here to find themselves, in some cases to be different. So we are kind of fruity and nutty as it goes. But we have good company. In today's gospel reading, Jesus, after John is arrested, and Jesus knows he might be next on the hit list, withdraws to Galilee, 
which in its time and for the people of Israel was sort of the land of fruits and nuts. It was a place to the north where the Gentile world and the Jewish world tended to intermingle. And as Henry Tribeman, who rabbi and historian and scholar who has taught a number of forums here, reminded us just last year, it was a crazy and wonderful and rich place of mixing. It was a diverse place. And it's easy for us to imagine that growing up, Jesus living in Nazareth, growing up in the carpenter's household, probably intermingled with a whole bunch of different folk in the course of his life. Had to do what we all have to do here in California, and that's sort of figure out who we are in this jumbled up land of fruits and nuts. But Matthew gives us Jesus' teaching hearkening back to the prophet Isaiah about the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the Galilee, where the Gentile and Jewish world interface. And curiously enough, Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the earliest tribes of the ancient Israelites. There's a sense here that there's an origin story here, right? Strangely enough. How do we reckon that with our own lives, living in this crazy mixed up place that we do? There are hints, guideposts, signs in today's gospel about how to think about that, and they're not necessarily all that obvious, but sitting with the text for a little bit, they start to become clearer. John calls his first four disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Andrew and Simon, we heard a little bit about last week. We hear about them again today. And James and John, each of them a pair of brothers, all of them were fishermen. which means they probably were not educated, which means they probably knew a little bit that not necessarily a lot about their spiritual tradition, which means that they were parochial, they were locals. They knew their jobs well, they had probably learned them from their fathers, means they did not expect it when Jesus shows up on the shore and calls to them and asks them to drop everything, but uses language that they will understand. He says, from now on, you will be fishing for people. which takes us right into the heart of where all the threads come together today. This happens to be Religious Life Sunday in the Episcopal Church, a Sunday to remember those who have taken vows of religion and the diversity of those communities that do that. It's also the day we remember the calling of the first apostles 
And we get caught, if we are not careful, in that strange notion that those kinds of callings are for other people, but not for us. Do you know what I mean? In Jesus' day, there was the exact same trap in the tradition. Tradition that said there are specialists who lead the prayers and help the people keep the traditions. But it's the specialists we turn to, and they're the real religious folk. There are the rest of us who like to get on in our own private lives. Thank you very much. Just like today, if we're not careful, we end up with the professional Christian over here and everybody else over there. Whether it's somebody in religious life or somebody who's taken up clerical orders or one of our spiritual luminaries that pop up from time to time in a congregation like ours. The vocation seems to come to other folk, but not to us. But listen to what Jesus is saying. He is going out to the edges of his society, to the land of fruits and nuts, and he is not saying, come to Jerusalem where it's at, is he? He's saying, no, the kingdom, the beloved community, is now among you, has come to you. The unexpected ones. As unexpected as light shining for Zebulun and Naphtali, a land that had been overrun in Isaiah's day by the Assyrian Empire. This promise that God's love is present and active in each of our lives, and more than that, in each of our vocations. Whether we are homemakers, accountants, students of every age, doctors, physicians, retirees, grandparents, parents, brothers, sisters, friends. Pick a vocation. Jesus is saying to you in your vocation, the beloved community, the kingdom is with you. And so like Simon and Andrew and James and John, our worlds are opened up all of a sudden. And our vocations are not just our jobs, but are being deemed by God in Christ holy. Holy vocations. Given to each of us and intended by God in that gift to disclose God's activity among us, God's love for everyone and everything. It's a remarkable message if, as Jesus teaches elsewhere, we have ears to hear it. And that's why we have to gather together to give ourselves ears to hear this message of God's grace for us. Because in 2,000 years, the world hasn't changed all that much. We want to leave all of this holiness stuff and this vocational stuff to someone else. And 
fact, Jesus is saying, no, it is yours, each of yours. Your ministry is one of discipleship, just as it was for Simon and Andrew, James and John. Your ministry is one of apostleship, which means you are set, sent forth by God's call. In just a few minutes from this very place to go and declare this good news in your daily life. And as one of my brothers is fond of saying, ministry is not out there somewhere, it is wherever you find yourself. Wherever you go. You are called, we are called, simply by virtue of our baptism, to proclaim the good news in everything we do, sometimes in what we say. That's the challenge for us today. Now, back to the land of fruits and nuts, the land that we inhabit. We suffer it all living here in California. It is probably from the notion that we have to be different, right? Isn't it the great paradox of living in California that you have to be different to fit in? You notice that? I'm still trying to figure that out after 25 years. I don't know if I've gotten it right. But sometimes I am very different, I have to admit. Well, you've noticed the architecture in here has changed a little bit this week, right? This piano was a gift from the Nicholson family to the parish. John Nicholson of blessed memory would sit and play on it and something to move a pianist's heart. Even in the days, his latter days, when he was suffering from Parkinson's, he would sit down and play Bach on this instrument and the tremors would stop. The tremors would stop. Before he retired, Nick, as we love to call him, taught for many years at Tam High and taught generations of students. People who still serve and live in this community and people who've gone in many other parts of the Bay Area and beyond. And they adored him, although he was a very hard teacher. That was his reputation. He let nothing get past him. He expected good writing from his students. That's the kicker, good writing. He taught them what he taught his sons, and in fact, it's on his memorial marker out here. And here's your takeaway for today. He said, don't strive to be different. The good California fruits and nuts thing. He said, strive to be good. Good, he said, will be different enough. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread 
and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh-huh.